1: PlushCare.com slash weight loss.
2: This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Just staying on the weather there uh, with a the forecast for today. We're looking at downpours um, predicted for today uh, and flooding because of those downpours can be expected right across uh, the county of Cork because Met Aaron have issued the status Orange Rain Warning for a number of counties and uh, one of the counties happens to be us here in Cork and it remains in place until midnight uh, tonight. Now the RSA are saying to people, if you, if you do need to go out to travel, please exercise Extreme caution when you're driving, and be careful of debris on roads. And actually, listening to the weather forecast, there uh, with it is going to be quite blustery and breezy uh, today. So just be careful; you could have fallen trees or branches off trees. So you just need to be careful. And again, as we always suggest, when we get sort of bad weather conditions, if uh, you're uh, if you are out and about driving today, and you come across something, let us know so that we can give it a shout out on the radio and uh, pass it on to other uh, listeners. The RSA are saying to motorists avoid driving through flowing or standing water and also please 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 be conscious of cyclists and pedestrians because you can absolutely soak a cyclist or pedestrian going through what might appear like a very small amount of water but if the person on a bike is right beside you or is walking on the footpath they can get absolutely uh, soaked. Now Cork City Council obviously on very high alert after what happened in the city on Sunday. They've issued a level 2 Flood alert for the uh, city and they are saying with the amount of rainfall that is due to fall flooding is deemed to be what they're saying a strong possibility. Now I know I heard on the news earlier today they were advising property owners and businesses to protect where they can their properties with sandbags and gel bags. I know they were handing out some sandbags uh, earlier on uh, this morning. Now operation crews within the City Council have already been out checking gullies, checking drains. It's been happening right across the city. The County Council have been doing it across the county to ensure that they are cleared in advance of uh, any very, very heavy downpours of rain uh, today. And I read in the echo this morning that the city council are urging the public not to report blocked gullies unless the gully is full. To the metal grate with debris as they say that when you look into a gully they and you'll see debris, a lot of these gullies can retain a certain amount of debris and still function normally so do I take it from that statement in the Echo today that after what happened on Sunday they're getting inundated with people ringing up saying that there's a blocked drain, a blocked gully in our area and then when they go out and check they're not completely blocked so they're saying only report if the gully is blocked right up to the metal grate. Now Cork County Council. They have their pumps deployed and they're all on standby, particularly at no one Known flooding locations throughout the county, and the echo also saying that in from the low level flood gate that's been closed at Brian Brew Square car park. So, uh, fingers crossed, we know there's heavy rain on the way, but just hope that nobody floods because really nobody wants to uh, go through what Cork City had to go through on a Sunday. So, stay safe and stay dry today. 0818 103 103. We've already had a one of our list. Listeners on looking for advice, please. Aidan and Banton was on to us this morning. He wants to know: does anybody know where he can buy a fold-up? Bed. Now it's not a sofa bed; it's the fold-up bed, the kind of the old-fashioned fold-up uh, beds with the thin mattress on it. I'm assuming that that's what he's he's looking for. They just in their, their household they need one just on a temporary uh, as a temporary solution. Somebody in the family is not able to make it up upstairs where the bedrooms are due to a leg injury at the moment, but it's only going to be temporary until the leg heals and gets better and all of that. Uh, so therefore, they don't want a sofa bed that you know can take up a large amount of space. I'm assuming it's going to be in the sitting room and the living room at night is where the fold up bed is going to be used. So does anybody know? Ideally, I'm assuming somewhere around the abandoned area so that Aiden doesn't have to travel too far. Has anybody spotted fold up beds for sale? What, what I would suggest, Aiden, and I don't know if you've thought about this, are the blow up beds. They would do. They would be perfect for you. That you could blow it up every night and then take it down, deflate it in the morning, and then you know fold it up and put it away. Because I'm I'm assuming that you don't want a sofa bed because it will take up too much room in the living room that you need to use during the day. So it's only at night when the person needs to go to bed that you need this fold up bed. So a blow up bed might be an option. And I can speak from experience on this because a number of years ago we I had a house full at uh, Christmas. I Think it was the last Christmas before the lockdowns, so probably 2019 and anyway I was having a house full of visitors and I I wasn't going to have enough beds so I got one of these it's it's a blow up bed it was a double blow up bed and I got it in in Aldi the German retailers and you plug it in and it inflates and it seemingly I haven't slept on it but anybody who has slept on it I've used it many times since then we fold it up then and pop it up in the attic when the visitors are gone and everybody says it's the most comfortable bed you could sleep in because when it inflates it inflates to the height of a normal bed. So that might be an option for you as well and you don't have to use a foot pump or anything like this This literally plugs into the wall, you turn it on sounds a little bit like a hairdryer. dryer fills it up with the air and uh, switch it off then when it's inflated and off you go and then just deflate it in the morning. So that might be something else and I don't know if you can, if you can widely buy them. As I say it was, it was in the lead up to Christmas I managed to get one but as I say it was 20, 2019 I don't know if they're still widely available but might be a solution for you In the meantime, anyone in the abandoned area who can point Aidan in the direction of where he can buy a fold-up bed, 0818 103 103. And I'm assuming that first-time buyers are getting a little bit of relief and hope, I suppose, more than relief and some good news uh, for them with the central bank's decision to ease the strict mortgage lending rules. The central bank are set to relax the rule that people can only borrow three and a half times their income. The amendment to the rule will now allow buyers to borrow four times their income. And this is seen as a major boost to first time house buyers in particular. Because at the moment, say, for example, you've got a single buyer, one man or a woman on their own trying to buy a house if they're on an income of say €50,000 a year as it stands with the borrowing requirements they can only borrow €175,000 so the new rule would allow them to borrow 200,000 and obviously if it's a joint, if it's a couple trying to buy it it will increase uh, pro, uh, pro rata now but the easing of the loan to income rule it is raising some fears of this further upward pressure on house uh, prices which obviously were already at record levels. It'll be seen by some as just stoking demand at a time when supply is so short. However the easing of the loan to income rule comes at A time also when mortgage interest rates are rising, and that is already restricting what people can buy. Higher living costs are also acting as a constraint on borrowing because buyers obviously have less income after they've paid for the essentials, the essentials being things like fuel and food, obviously, and that they have less money. Now, I saw one mortgage broker in the paper, a guy by the name of Michael Dowling. He says the changes uh, to the rule as a mortgage broker, he says, very much welcome. He says it will make a difference, particularly to those first-time buyers at a time when mortgage rates are rising. This mortgage broker said that borrowers... Uh, will still be stress tested to ensure that they can afford the mortgage. I mean, we're, not, we're never going to go back to the Celtic Tiger days where they were handing out money left, right and centre and they weren't doing the proper stress testing and that uh, we ended up with all kinds of problems. So the stress testing will still be there. You'll still be able to, you have to prove that you will be able to repay uh, the mortgage. But of course, we have a chronic lack of homes at the moment and that is seen as the biggest problem for the housing market at the moment. So the whole idea of relaxing the income rule is seen as a significant development by uh, the central uh, bank. And they've been adamant that the rules ensure that home buyers were not over borrowing. It's understood that there will be no changes, for example, to the part of the lending rules requiring first time buyers. They must have a deposit of of 10%. If you're buying a house for for the second time, then you have to have a deposit of 20%. So first time buyers will still have to come up with the 10% the deposit and that's the one that's catching a lot of first time buyers because of those higher living costs because of higher rent costs it's extremely hard at the same time to try to save for a deposit even a deposit of 10% and if we have the house prices going up and up and up it means that 10% deposit also uh, is going up and uh, up and what that as I say will certainly be some bit of good news for first time buyers it might just mean that they're able to buy that i you know their forever home the home that they have their eye on in the area where they want to live and they've just been outside of the amount that they can borrow in order to buy it, it might just make the uh, difference and while we're hearing about that the central statistics office have just released uh, a report showing that people are leaving it later in life to buy a home and that is absolutely down to exactly what i've been talking about there the difficulty in saving for a deposit and it now seems the typical age of which buyers are buying a house for the first time is now at 39 and that has gone up from 35 in uh, 2010 and I imagine if you go back even further to the early noughties and maybe back even into the 80s and 90s you would find that people were buying their first time house, they were in their mid-20s but it had gone up to uh, with, uh, with the Celtic Tiger and all of that and the price of houses it went up to 35 years of age, but it's now at 39 years of age before somebody can buy their first time home. 60% of homes are now bought jointly, according to these figures from the Central Statistics Office. And the CSO shows separate figures show that house prices are higher now than they were at the height of the Celtic Tiger period. The median age of sole buyers rose from 34 to 41 if you're buying a house on your own during that uh, same uh, period. But when it comes to the joint buyers, it went from uh, 35 to uh, 38. And then they also released statistics from around the country just looking at different parts of the country and how that's affected by age and by who's buying uh, at what age are people buying for example the oldest buyers of first time homes are in County Wexford the typical age there for buying your first time home was 49 the youngest buyers are found in Dublin City but even when you say younger buyers it is still at 38 it's just a year behind what the typical buyer is around the country and of course yeah, I, whenever I get these figures I straight anyway look at the figures to see what is the saying about us here in cork in cork 9 out of 10 buyers bought a dwelling within the county and that was the second that was the highest proportion in the country uh, followed by uh, dublin which is proving the point that when we are here in cork why would we want to leave this uh, beautiful uh, county but i suppose no surprise to hear that people are getting older when they're buying their first home and that certainly is down to the difficulty in saving for a deposit at And then the knock on trying to secure a mortgage. So hopefully that bit of news from the central bank, uh, relaxing it and allowing people now to borrow uh, four times their income will help some. Donal in Bandon listening to me talking about the central bank's decision to ease strict mortgage lending, relaxing the rule so that people can now borrow four times their income rather than the three and a half times, uh, which is there at the moment. Donald says he very much welcomes the central bank news particularly for the first time buyers he hopes that the central bank don't decide to relax those mortgage rules further as we saw the slippery slope the last time they started to relax rules and Donald do you know something I don't think that will ever ever happen again because the mortgage measures and the guidelines and amendments that are in place at the moment they're known as macro prudential rules and the reason that they were introduced in 2015 was to protect mortgage mortgage borrowers and was to protect the banks from at the time was called another disruptive death-ridden financial shock so no I don't think the the rules were. some first-time borrowers would wish that they could borrow more to allow them to buy a house I don't think we're ever going to go back to remember at one, one stage it wasn't just 100% uh, mortgages at one stage some of the banks were offering 110% of the mortgage people were able to, to borrow it was crazy crazy time so no I can't Never see that happening again. Thanks for your call, uh, Donald. Just unfold up beds when we had uh, Aidan in Bandon looking for a fold-up bed. Just on a temporary measure, somebody has had a leg injury, will be sleeping downstairs until the leg gets uh, better. Uh, somebody suggests that you unfold up beds. You can sometimes buy them on the marketplace and the bargain basement on Facebook. I'm assuming second-hand, is it? Uh, that if you want to get one... Get a bargain by yeah. Uh, you might be able to look on uh, Facebook and is is it juice? It's called in Yall. Somebody purchased one of those fold up beds. Exactly what you're talking about. And somebody got one there a few months ago, so they may still be available. Mary says Danjo Fitzgerald stocks them in Mallow, and then a couple of other people have been on saying that Argos do them, and you can actually order them online, so that it could be delivered to the door. Okay, a couple of suggestions there for a- Aidan in Bandon. Hope you get your fold up bed and hope you get it uh, soon. And somebody else, sorry, just seen a text in saying they have fold up beds in the furniture and carpet shop in Lep. I saw it the other day while I was passing. Thank you for that. 0818 103, 103 Text WhatsApp 0862 103 103.
0: Court today on C103. With Corrigan
3: Insurance's McCroom. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Promoter. Home, business, farm, life and health insurance. T M I G C103 Air
0: Hoglord and Doon on Gia Foos Lefeshkint. A Togo Eduspord, Sivlian
4: Shadyok's shady haiyan. When Saltas Ryakana Umta Ercharchy or Ali Nunta Agas Hog Truss Kun Fowlum Fest Baron Buin Agas Nakaharch, Hodeshna Green Graffador of the Unthochal, Marshall Fog, Ganselfia Hogan. Nota
3: could denene is fari C one oh three.
2: Some parents will face child care issues as some providers are planning two days of closure next month in the hope of brokering a new funding deal with the government. Alinda is with the Federation of Early Childhood Providers and Elaine joins me. Good morning to you, Elaine. Good morning. Uh, uh, I'm very well and you're welcome to the programme. Now, the government announced a €1 billion euro investment in the sector. Are you saying that that's simply not enough?
4: So what they've announced for this year is actually not €1 billion that's coming in from next year. So it's this year is where the problem is. So what they've announced for this year for funding for the the sector is 59 million. Okay, uh, it so it isn't enough. So maybe like I'll explain the service yeah. that, 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 that it's affecting, and then people will understand. So you have the small ECC services, early childhood care and education services. They are the ones that are mainly affected from the core funding because there are 1,853 of these services in this country. And out of those providers, there's 1,167 in and around that have been left out of core funding. And all we keep hearing from our minister and his department is that the the issue here is that there's only 1%, and he's saying literally 50 service providers, and that's not true. It's a lot higher than that, and we have shown that it's a lot higher than that. And nobody seems to be listening. So in the last couple of weeks, we've seen more and more and more service providers saying they're going to close their doors permanently this time next year. We did a survey in April where 260,000, or 260, sorry, providers had said that they may be forced to close the doors next year. And I actually maintain, and the Federation and its members maintain, that's going to be an awful lot higher. So the reason we are closing our doors is because we've already held three protests as, as... time has gone through the summer. And now here we are and nothing has changed. Nobody has listened to us. We have lobbied TDs. We've spoken in, in the jaw We've spoken so much. We've three protests outside Leinster House with invites in to speak as well. We've done everything that we possibly can and nobody seems to be listening. But the only way that we feel we can move forward is to actually now close the doors and show how bad this actual core funding is for those smaller service providers in rural and urban Ireland. Those little services in very, very rural places in Cork and all over around the country, they're the ones we're losing. And it's taken away parental choice as
2: well. Yeah, because and, and, it, I, I, and I, was, I was thinking about this um, uh, last night. Uh, uh, recently, we did an interview about the closure of of some of the smaller nursing yeah. homes in, in rural areas. And I was making the point at the time uh, with, uh, the, um, with Ty Daly of Nursing Homes Ireland that when you close a nursing home in a small rural area, it isn't that the families have a lot of choice to bring granny across the road to the other nursing home. And it's the very same at the other other end of the scale with childcare providers. It isn't that when a rural one closes that you can go across the road because Betty has has another childcare service across the road. It's the only one in town.
4: Oh, no, absolutely. And that's what I mean by parental choice. And parents are going to have to move out of their their own area and drive maybe 20 or 30 kilometres to somewhere else to put their child into the setting. I mean, the the children are entitled to be in these services and it's up to government. It's like these services, the ECC services, they have been wholeheartedly funded by government from day one. Like, we're not allowed to charge fees to parents. We're not allowed to take voluntary contributions. They're stopping us from getting anything whatsoever. And here is where the problem is. Whereas if we were allowed to accept voluntary contributions or we were allowed to charge for small optional extras, that is in our remit, not dictated to us by government. So, you look at one service, say, that's down the country from, say, Mary's in one area, and, and there's another lady down the road from her. So the other lady down the road for the last four years has booked for an extra half hour and maybe is charging 120 euros a month for that extra half hour each day. Mm. So government have now said that for anybody who wants to do the extra half hour now, we are only allowed to take 11 euros and 50 cents a week off parents for those five half hours. A week. And and that's so we're like, that. Yeah.
2: That's simply not financially viable.
4: <laughs> it's and, not financially and when you viable talk
2: with parents, uh, Elaine, are they willing to pay a little bit extra?
4: Absolutely. I've had so much feedback from parents, from parent, uh, parent groups, um, from providers who've spoken to the parents where parents have already offered voluntary contributions. But if we take those voluntary contributions, the government has the right to pull back all of our funding.
2: You can't risk it.
4: No, we can't risk it. Um, we, we've been, you know, lobbying now to try and get people to close their doors and we're starting to gather momentum around the country. And one area where it's massive at the moment is in Toom and Galway. We've had of the services in Chill and Galway, I think there's around thirty or thirty five services there, and ninety percent of them have already said they're closing their doors for the, for those dates. And the reason they're doing it is because there's a lady, a wonderful service up there, and a lady called Bernadine McElroy, who wants an absolutely top quality service like most of us do and she has been forced to announce to her parents that she's no longer viable and she's closing her doors next June. So she, this is the start of it now and we, the reason we are doing these closures is we are hoping that our ministers, the department and government will see that we need to sit down around the table and we need to discuss this and we need to negotiate a deal for these service types.
2: Or else we're going, or else we're we're going to lose uh, so many of them. And I'm assuming all of your members, Elaine, are in dread of the electricity and the heating bills for this winter.
4: No, absolutely, we are, and we know that the government have come out with announcements of, you know they're going to help with energy bills and all that. But we don't know anything. Nobody does, you know. And it's the small businesses that are having are being hugely affected. At the moment, and they're the ones, you can see restaurants closing, yeah, homes yeah, closing, yeah. Childcare facilities closing, and this is just going to escalate as time goes on. You have to also look at the full daycare services. There's a lot of small full daycare services who are in a fee freeze as we speak and are not receiving the funding they thought they were going to get. It's a lot less than what they originally thought they were going to get and what they had worked out on this calculator called the reckoner from Government. This reckoner had a disclaimer on it saying that it'll only give you an estimate of what you might be getting. Okay, but it's actually a lot less. So these services are now in trouble as well. When all of this was coming out and core funding was happening, Frontier Economics did a consultation with stakeholder forms. And we said on that, the provider representative said on that, please don't come in with 100% percent fee freeze straight away. Because of everything, that, like obviously we're in the middle of a worldwide pandemic there's a European war. There's all of these things going on that are rising costs all the time. Nobody listened to us. And now these services are now coming into difficulty as well. And I believe some of them are now going to the sustainability fund. Yet the sustainability fund that is there right now today is only for community services. So Bernadine didn't get any help because she's a private provider to give her sustainability and viability. And... Everybody talks about, our minister, his department, they're continuously talking about sustainability. Mm. I, none of us want to be sustained. We want to be viable.
2: And we are you are you hearing from owners who are borrowing from family members simply um, to keep the doors yeah. open?
4: Absolutely, absolutely. And they're already in panic mode about Christmas, okay, because they have to pay their staff all their holiday pay at Christmas time and everything else. And this funding is simply not there. So they end up going all the holidays, public holidays and everything they go without. And I had one provider emailed me last week and told me she had to borrow money off her 73 year old mother to pay staff wages last week I mean, you couldn't write this and yes, our minister's out there saying how wonderful everything is, everybody's saying how wonderful it is, but it's not with the small and medium sized providers. Let's be straight about this. It's great if you have a, a huge number, a very, very large number of children in your service, but if you've only got small numbers, obviously the funding is going to be a lot lower. But then, Uh, why why force us to freeze our fees at a rate of inflation that is at nine point one percent? energy costs everything are going up it,
2: it's just beggars belief doesn't does make any sense so for two days no. uh, next month the 11th and the 25th of November uh, yeah. you reckon a number of providers will simply close and parents are going to have to come up with alternative um, f- facilities well, we're, we're hoping looking... parents will come out
4: in support of these yeah. businesses well I mean it will,
2: we... it will show parents you know if if the, your provider is to close full time this is what the reality is going to be like
4: well no absolutely and we have a very good letter going out to parents in the coming days as well across sectors, so that all the parents will read this letter and understand. And a lot of us who are the smaller providers, we've already spoken to our parents. We've been lobbying all summer long. You know, everybody knows that we have been trying to get more funding in for ECC. But, you know, when, when there's a great yarn being spun, what can, what can you do you know you just have to keep fighting for what you believe is right okay. and you have to fight for these providers to be okay. viable and
2: remain open Okay hopefully they'll listen uh, Elaine and you won't need to go through with the closures uh, next month Absolutely. we'll speak again in the meantime thank you for that Thank you so much and thank uh, thanks uh, for joining us that is uh, Elaine Dunn of the Federation of Early Childhood uh, Providers and it would be a huge huge blow particularly in rural areas if uh, some of these smaller childcare providers were forced to close simply because they can't afford uh, to turn on the lights turn on the heat and keep the front door open 0818 103 103 uh, John Paul taking your calls can I give and thank you to Donald for this when I was asking people if you're out and about driving and you come across anything can you let us know so we can pass it on to others Donald says Patricia will you warn people please to watch out for deer jumping out onto the road in the Island Brack area that's the Boherbui Knocknagree Road uh, Donald describes the situation as being Lethal and if a deer jumps out on a moving car it can it can really cause very very uh, serious damage to the car but it can be a very serious accident as well so please drive with extreme care in the Island Brack area on the Bohobwe Knocknagree Road Donor thank you for your text to 0862 103 103
0: Up Today on C103 With Corrigan Insurance's
5: McCroom,
3: now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk they walk the walk CMIG.ie. Now do
2: During this month's meeting of Cork City Council, the issue of scrambler bikes was raised with details of two incidents of injury by members of the public caused by scramblers, either driven irresponsibly or at very high speed. Fianna Fáil Councillor Tony Fitzgerald is among those calling for parents to please, please not to buy them for their children, especially as Christmas presents. And uh, Councillor Tony Fitzgerald joins me. Good morning to you, Tony. Good
6: morning, Patricia.
2: Now, Tony, we've had a number of calls. In from uh, listeners, uh, particularly in the city, about these scrambler bikes and the antisocial nature of them, and the noise, and uh, just generally speaking, people worried about them. But the two incidents that were discussed at Cork City Council—one involved a young woman, and the other involved a two-year-old child. What do you know happened in those cases? Well,
5: yes. Um, thanks, Patricia. Yeah, th- this is a problem that's not only in Cork but up and down the country, and it's by a a very small minority of people who seem to think that, you know, buying a scrambler bike and putting your children on them and going out into public areas is a a good pastime. Um, And unfortunately, it's not, because it gives a variety of problems to the community at large and to the people who are using them as well. Um, What we have here is, uh, you know, bikes coming out on public spaces, which are used in green areas which belong to either either the local to the local authorities, which in turn belongs to the public. And these green areas are being damaged considerably, which is, you know, which isn't acceptable. Um, at the noise level attended you know, um focused on them is, is a huge is a huge nuisance to local residents, particularly if you're if your 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 home is overseeing a green area and you see these bikes out on the noise level that just goes on and on for a couple of hours. So um the message is really that, you know, at coming up to Christmas time that, you know, we would be, I would certainly be encouraging parents not to buy these bikes for Christmas and for their, for their children because it is very dangerous. Um, some members did highlight some incidents of young people falling off them um, and, you know, and being hurt. Um, so there's a personal injury to the individuals, uh, there's a noise pollution and then there's damage to the public property. Um, that. That's really in, in, in one aspect of it. But when they come on the public road or on the footpath, it becomes extremely dangerous. Mm. And so people who are walking along a footpath and find that these bikes are behind them, you know, the people are terrified. Um, we did have previously a relation to a similar uh, interest in cars some years back with the probation service in the Gardaí called an auto crime diversion programme um, programme this was in relation to knowing about what cars is about and um, and and trying to you know get young people to look at the at, at the, the vehicles and see how they're made and all of that and um, there are some um, maybe initiatives that we could you know engage young people into you know what a bike is about and how you put it together the mechanics of that um, but they're, 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 like you know this has been problematic for not only the last couple of weeks but over the last. Career. Yeah, and
2: I know I, was, I read Owen English's piece in, in The Examiner it, where he was saying a woman, a, a 20-year-old woman was knocked down, seriously injured by a scrambler mm-hmm. bike. And then mm-hmm. in another incident, a two-year-old child was struck by a scrambler and required hospital treatment. Yeah. I mean, somebody, we're, we're going to have the, the situation where we're, we're going to be having on the programme talking about somebody getting killed. It's, it yeah, it, it yeah. really is um, crazy. Yeah. What about, insu- I mean, do they need sure. insurance when they're yeah, on scrambler bikes?
5: Those two incidents, position, are weren't related to my comments. There, by, by other members, but I yeah. had an incident whereby um, I had uh, the father uh, 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 on a scrambler bike and it has three or four t- four-year-old child on the bike with him, um, and the mother looking on. Um, and you know, like you know, the guardie were called, and they were, you know, they, they explained to them, and you know, then they, you know, it was when when everything was kind of they thought it was just a good. Yeah. For, for, yeah. yeah, so like that—that—that—that that, that, that really was an awareness, and the community guardy are doing um, a lot of work with them. There's new, there's new um, laws put in place now. There's new regulations, and uh, a lot of guard stations are actually uh, have plenty of scrambler bikes there, and they're not going to be released. Oh, so, um, they, so, so they
2: are confident The, the guardy can are. confiscate a bike from, from are, a young,
5: yeah. But there has to be a uh, there has to be a certain way under the Road Traffic Act of. Of uh of getting the bikers you know is that the aren't allowed to chase the, the individuals, which wouldn't be an, a, a great idea no. um so it has to be dealt with but yeah yeah there there is no insurance um uh Patricia just uh directly they, people don't have insurance on them uh, because they're not legal to be out on the public roads you know they're not like these these bikes aren't bought to take from a to b if you're going to work or you know if you're going to uh, 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 a football game or something. These are these are bikes, small scrambler bikes that are bought specifically
2: for this purpose. For and what and people for see as fun, but what yeah. most normal people see as antisocial behaviour, but yeah. also very dangerous behaviour, because uh, the young people themselves are putting their own lives at risk.
5: They are indeed, and like it's not quite quite uh, dramatically. Like it's 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 not just young people, you know. It's you know some some. Uh, People in their authorities and parties are, buy, are buying them as well, and thinking that they're good for their children. Now, I have to emphasize again: this is a small minority yeah, of people,
2: yeah.
5: uh, very, very small. But minority. it needs to be stopped. Yes, yes. And when when the when they are in the public uh, area, whether it's in the green area on the road, I mean, everybody is affected by it. Do you know, and you have a lot of people who are who are working late shifts. They're doing night work, and they're you know trying to sleep during the day. Um, and you have this interference, you know, and it's very, very difficult that you had one or two. Complaints okay, so, so like your that.
2: your your big message is: we're in the run-up to Christmas, and people are already thinking about what they're buying uh, their their beloved little ones for Christmas. Please do not consider yeah. getting a scramble about, and, it.
5: And, and think think of safety for for first of all the people you think you're buying them for, are going to have fun, and think of the wider public. And remember, know that that if the, if the bikes the bikes can be confiscated and they can, they will be taken by the VRB, and you won't get them back.
2: OK, you'll be wasting your money. OK, listen, Tony, good words of advice. Thank you for that. Thank you. Thanks and for you uh, sure. thanks uh, for joining us. That is uh, Fianna Fáil City Councillor Tony uh, Fitzgerald.
3: You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
2: Don't forget, right throughout this, the month of October, we're inviting you to listen and win every Friday for the C103's Free Fuel Friday. And yes, we'll be doing it again this week. Your chance to win €100 fuel vouchers right across the day. As we've done on the previous two Fridays, we'll be giving you a star in the car and we'll give you a listen to the star in the car. You've got to identify who the star is and then we'll be getting into text or what in at a certain point during the programme and then one lucky listener will get selected and will win 100 euro fuel voucher that's the C103 free fuel Friday with East Cork Oil serving Cork City and County and across Munster if you want to check out locations you can just log on to your local oil company dot IE always local only on C103 looking forward to doing that on Friday now some of your texts coming into the programme I was speaking with Councillor Tony Fitzgerald in the last hour about the issue of scrambler bikes. It seems to be a problem in some parts of the city. Don't know if it's an issue in the county but certainly I've had a text in from somebody saying you're talking about scrambler bikes here in Mill Street says this texture. We have a terrible problem with youths on e-scooters on the footpaths in town and in the car parks. They are so dangerous and the speed they're doing is absolutely terrible. Now I don't just think that that's is a Mill Street uh, problem. I think probably every town, village and indeed in the city, there is an issue with e-scooters on footpaths and the fact that they are e-scooters, they're silent. You don't even hear them until they're on top of you. And, and certainly we've raised and, and discussed the issue before in the programme because we've certainly, I remember speaking with one uh, lady who was nearly knocked down by an e-scooter flying down behind her. She went in to go into a shop and obviously the guy didn't realise she was going to turn to go into the shop and they nearly had a collision and, and she said it made her very nervous about going out again in town that was in Mallowtown town was last year uh, sometimes so yeah the problem with e-scooters on footpaths certainly is a problem and they can be dangerous because of the speed uh, at which they they fly down footpaths on oh eight one eight one zero three one zero three, and then um, also while we were talking with Tony, we were just talking about these scrambler bikes and the antisocial nature of them, the noise these scrambler bikes can make, and you know they're charging around in green areas and in parks where children are playing. And there's been incidents in the city, particularly of a twenty year old woman who was knocked down by one, and a two year old who ended up having to get hospital treatment. Or well, that prompted Elaine uh, to contact us because it is the anti-social nature of these scramblers and we are in the lead up to Halloween and always in the lead up to Halloween there is an expectation that there will be a small amount of teenagers as Elaine said acting the maggot things like throwing eggs and letting off fireworks but Elaine contacted us because she said in recent days there's been a group of she describes them as teenage boys taking this to another extreme it's in one housing estate in Mallow this happened on Monday evening at about half past eight so it would have been dark on Monday evening at that at that time. Uh, you know, some of these young lads thought wouldn't it be funny to light the fireworks and to pop them into people's letterboxes. Now thankfully Elaine said nobody was injured but it could have been a very, very different story if somebody happened to be standing in the hallway of any of these houses when the fi- a lit firework was pushed through the letter- letterbox. So Elaine said would you please make people aware that this is going on and to ask parents to edge Educate their children on the dangers of messing with fireworks, fireworks that are illegal. They shouldn't even have these uh, fireworks. So it goes back to Councillor Joni Fitzgerald was putting the call out to parents not to buy scramblers for young people as Christmas presents and it goes back to as well doesn't it, to parents knowing what their children are up to when they're out and about with their friends. I mean I'm assuming none of the parents of those teenage boys were aware of what those young lads were doing on Monday evening. They possibly thought they were just out having some fun with their friends. Little did they know uh, what they were doing but that, that's a scary thing to happen, to be in, ho- in your own house and to come, uh, to come through the letterbox an actual lit uh, fire- firework I mean, that could cause a fire or anything. I mean, that could be really, really a serious. So please, for parents, be mindful of what your young people are getting up to. And young people think, oh, it's a rite of passage and sure it's only a bit of fun and let's let off the fireworks. And I know I was talking to John Paul in the office. We've, we've been trying to get on to the Irish Guide Dogs Association because they have been issuing appeals about fireworks uh, as well and the noise created from these fireworks And the problems that they're having with their highly trained guide dogs to the point that they have to retire some guide dogs. Because if the guide dog continuously gets a fright, they're not able to perform the great task that they do in giving independence to somebody who's visually impaired and we know the time and the dedication and the money it costs to train a guide dog from puppy right through to when they're handed over to somebody who's who's visually impaired, it costs a lot of money and there's a lot of time involved and it's just shocking to think that any of them would have to be retired because of some people deciding to leave off fireworks that are, as Elaine pointed out they're illegal, you're not allowed to have fireworks in this country, it doesn't stop people getting their hands on them and then of course there's always the danger because they are illegal, people are buying them on the black market. We have no way of knowing how safe any of these fireworks are and these fireworks that come in and they're they're sold, you know, out of the back of a van and and somebody knows somebody who can get you a box of fireworks, you've no way of knowing is there a proper CE stamp on them, have, you know, and that they can explode in people's hands. And there's injuries every year created by fireworks not being used properly, but also by illegal fireworks that are simply not up to standards. So there's, there's a lot of issues around fireworks and we're, what, over a week and a half away from the midterm break when the children are off for, for the week. And that has a tendency to be the week when we'll see the most of the fireworks being uh, lef- left off. So please... Parents, can you chat uh, to your children uh, about it? 0818 103 103. Now, also in the last hour, I was speaking with Elaine Dum who was talking about the core funding that has been put in place by the government and you know there was a lot of talk about it uh, in the lead up to the budget and, and in the budget This one billion euro that's been put into the sector and it is from next year it's going to be core funding for, uh, for child care providers but there seems to be an anomaly and a problem for the smaller providers and certainly there's a problem this year because that core funding isn't kicking in until 2023 and many of the smaller child care providers are really struggling so you know she was talking about the additional funds that they need and you know that's the reason why they're talking about closing for two days in the month of November, just to highlight what's going on with some of the smaller childcare providers and John was listening to Elaine talking about the fact that they need extra funding in order to keep these premises opening and that got John thinking about an item that he had seen in the paper and it got him pondering as to how the government decide how they spend funds that are available to them in the Exchequer and the piece that John has drawn our attention to is a piece by Ken Fox in The Examiner on the money that's spent on former Thesic, and the story, uh, the report talks about that just over a hundred and fifty thousand was spent in providing secretarial support to two former Thesic. The two being named are Bertie Ahern and and, uh, Enda Kenny. And they, for uh, for Bertie Ahern, the amount came to seventy thousand euro, and for Enda Kenny, it was eighty three thousand euro. It works out at about twelve thousand seven hundred euro every month for what's been described as secretarial assistance assistance to both Bertie Hearn and to Enda Kenny. Now what's interesting about this story is that supports for retired Taoiseach ended in 2012 and it was actually introduced by the then Taoiseach, i.e. Mr Ender Kenny uh, he was Taoiseach at the time it was the aftermath of the Celtic Tiger crash and you know lots of people were seeing cutbacks and there was cutbacks in all departments so Ender Kenny decided at the time that there would no longer be any more financial support to former Taoiseach so he ended it in 2012 but then roll on a number of years and you have Leo Varadkar taking over as Taoiseach and when Leo Varadkar was Taoiseach he restored this fund and at the time civil servants were suggesting that it the cost could run to up to 300,000 per year now it hasn't come as high as 300,000 per year this 150,000 and i'm assuming that's the figures is it uh, for last year now also there is no costs incurred in the provision they're, they're entitled to get vip services at dublin Airport, But there was no VIP services to a Taoiseach from September 2021 to the end of August this year. Now, that could have been when we were in the middle of a pandemic and there wasn't many people flying anywhere. So none of them used the VIP services uh, in uh, Dublin Airport. But Ken Fox in The Examiner is writing about one official request for a state car that was made by John Bruton, again, former Taoiseach, after he was asked to speak. It was in June of this year. He was asked to speak at an Irish Farmers' Journal event, and it was on the future of Europe. And that's all well and good. You get a former Taoiseach to discuss that. Don't have an issue with that. But because he had to attend this event in June, he wrote to, and I'm assuming you write to the Department of the Taoiseach to say, look, I'm doing this, and I want some support. What support did he want? He, he explained in these letters that numerous speakers from at home and abroad, would be addressing the event. And the event was going to be on from 8.30 in the morning until one o'clock in the afternoon. So he says, I am requesting the facility of a state car to attend the event under the provision that's extended to form a Taoiseach. And then there was emails forward and back between the Department of the Taoiseach and uh, John Bruton and they said they were happy to accede to the request on this occasion. So he got a state uh, car. And see, I mean, under the current arrangements, the former Taoiseach can benefit from government support in six, different, six separate ways. And obviously one of those is that they can require a state car, the secretarial assistance, they can look for, they can go into the VIP section. At a cost, obviously, the Department of the Taoiseach will have to pay it. But I was kind of scratching my head and saying, OK, I've no issue with John Bruton as a former Taoiseach. Uh, and, you know, he's a man who would be well able to address a group speaking about the future of Europe when you look back at his his previous experience and you know it's an early morning event half eight in the morning to eleven I have no problem uh, with him going and attending it but you know John Bruton along with Enda Kenny and Bertie Ahern, they're all on Pensions, very large pensions. I mean, people are always a pains to point out when politicians retire the size of their pensions. I don't know what their pension pots are, but they're quite generous uh, pension pots. And and I don't know, did he get paid to attend to the Irish Farmers' Journal? Give him a stipend for attending. The event was 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 it paid? Because they can do they do after dinner speeches, and I know they get well well paid to do that as well. I just can't understand. If you want to go, fine, and you know you could go as a formative. But fund your, you know, drive yourself or get somebody to drive you if you think it's too early, if you don't want to drive that early in the morning uh, yourself. I just think it's a bit, it's a bit much to expect the Department of the Taoiseach and then at the end of the day to expect the exchequer to expect you and me and all of the other taxpayers in the country. Ultimately we are the ones paying for the state car to bring him to and from the event or if any of them want to fly out of Dublin Airport they can request the provision of the VIP service at Dublin Airport. Wouldn't we all love to request the provision of the VIP service at at Dublin Airport? Anyway, it uh, caught John's eye and he says it just struck him that here we had a Group of people trying to look after our smallest in our childcare facilities and trying to look after the smallies so that the mammies and the daddies can go to work and pay tax in order to pay for the Department of the Taoiseach and while that's going on uh, we have this kind of money being uh, spent out now I know in the scheme of things 150,000 euro isn't a lot people will say but still if you're questioning if you have this sector of the society looking for money people see it as waste oh, 0818 now maybe I'm wrong I'm, I'm, I'm kind of with John on this maybe others say no it's part and parcel of if you've served your country well as Taoiseach there should be some fringe benefits for you including these supports for the retired t Your thoughts welcomed. 0818 103 103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. A van driver is wanted to deliver to pharmacies in Cork City and County. Now, training will be provided. You can email your CV to tim at freightspeed.ie. Aragon House Nursing Home, they're based in Bohagui. They're looking to recruit chefs of all levels to join their team. CVs to chris at aragonhouse.ie. And an experienced sales rep is wanted to work in Cork. Now, you must have your own car. You uh, email Adelie twenty nine at gmail.com and a window fitter is wanted in Bantry applicants must hold a full driver's licence you can call 027 66115 you'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more this is C103
0: court today on C103
2: with
3: Corrigan Insurance's
2: McCroom now
3: part of McCarthy Insurance Group promoter home, business, farm life and Health Insurance,
2: I can see a flurry of comments and uh, texts uh, coming in with regard to the former Taoiseach and the money that they have received and I will get back to them but I want to move on to a different issue because the move by health insurers to pay rebates to their members may actually be stopping some people from shopping around for a better value Policy. Well, that's according to Dermot Good of TotalHealthCare.ie, who joins me this morning to discuss this issue and to offer advice for people who are about to renew. Good morning to you, Dermot. Good morning, Patricia. And you're, you're welcome, as always, uh, to the programme. Now, it's, it's not often we get rebates from insurance providers, so just remind us um, why health insurers are doing this. And, and I'm assuming you see it as a welcome move.
6: No, absolutely. Look, I mean, anytime they, they give money back, it, it's absolutely to be welcomed. So, um, I suppose we're, we're not criticising that, but I, I'll tell you what's happening, though. And by the way, Patricia, the the rebates were because they had been paying out less in claims. Uh, and to be fair, you know, I wish all the other insurers would do likewise, but but unfortunately that, that is not the case. So, here's what's happening. About half the people who have health insurance right now are on the wrong plan. Um and what we're finding is particularly older members, um, older members who I suppose maybe they they need their health insurance more than others. Um, they're very fearful of change, um, and you know, and they they have existing conditions and so on. They're just they're really worried about making any any amendments to their cover, but they tend to be insured on the oldest, most expensive plan. So they're overpaying by maybe potentially five hundred to a thousand euro uh, per adult on those older plans. So they have good cover but they don't have good value. And what's happening is, uh, Patricia, a lot of those people, because they got some money back during the year, now they think it's a discount on their plan. It's not really a discount at all. It's a once-off rebate. Those rebates vary from 150 maybe to 300 euro if you're on the most expensive schemes. But what a lot of these people are doing is because they got money back, they're doing nothing. They're simply renewing on the same dated plan. And my message to them is, look, you know, it's great that you got some money back, but you could be you could be missing out on three or four or even five times that amount of a rebate by way of savings if you moved yourself onto a more up-to-date scheme. So I suppose our message to all of those people is, you know, take the rebate and you have it and it's yours and it can't be taken back, but still shop around. And particularly for those older members now who are listening, so anybody who's on the old you know, VHI Plan B or Plan B options. They're now called Health Plus Access and Health Plus Extra or the Level 2 hospital schemes with Irish Life Um, or, let's just say, the Essential Plus or the Health Manager schemes or the Company Care schemes with Leia. All good plans, but for most people, not good value. And we would just be urging those people, don't be complacent, you know, don't be fooled by the small rebates, still do the shopping around, And I suppose the other thing, Patricia, I suppose this is a call out to all the young people now listening and who know that their mum and dad are on the really old, overly expensive plans. Mom and dad are too scared to switch and they're they're frightened and they're easily put off by the insurance companies when they phone up. So I would urge those young people, and we're seeing this now over the last 18 months, they're doing the reviews for mum and dad because they know their parents and obviously their parents trust the kids, we hope. Um, and they're saving their parents a lot of money. And, yeah. And they, yeah, go on. No, I was just going to say, Patricia, admit, you know, people now listening to this will think straight away, oh, well, I, I'm worried about changing. I, you know, I know Dermot Good says it's fine and so forth, but I'm just worried about changing. 50% of the people that we review, we get them a better deal with the same insurance company. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, you, you do not have to, this is not about switching. Yeah. Pfizer will always or should always try to get you a better deal with the same insurer. And if that's not possible and there's something far superior with somebody else... Then move. ...well then look to and Yeah, because it goes
2: back to the point, you don't have to have loyalty just because you've been with the company for 20 and 30, 40 years. You know, you don't have to have loyalty to them.
6: No, and you know what, and, and look, all the three insurance companies, we have, we have three really good companies, Leia Irish Life and BHI. They're all very, very good. You know, 92, 93% of all claims are paid, so they're top-class providers. But there's no such thing as loyalty in health insurance in, in Ireland because the legislation means everybody needs to be treated the same. So, Patricia, whether you're with BHI five years or I'm with them 35 years, if we're on the same plan, we get treated the exact same, OK? So, people, you know, loyalty exists in the consumer's minds only. You cannot be rewarded for loyalty. So, the, the thing with health insurance in this country is there's no bonuses for not claiming. There's no penalties for claiming. So that means claim everything that you're entitled to claim. And if you are looking to switch to another provider, you know, as you and I have discussed before, don't do the Irish thing. I mean, the Irish psyche is when it comes to insurance companies, tell them nothing. Right. But with health insurance, Patricia, I would say to all of your listeners, tell them everything Uh, because it doesn't, you know, it doesn't compromise your your bargaining position or your, your, your position whatsoever, because whatever the plan is, whatever the price is, that's the same for everybody. And if you like the plan and tell them what conditions you have and tell them what hospitals are important to you and tell them what treatment you might need in the future and tell them everything. Because that yeah. means they then have to give you a proper recommendation.
2: And I was glad to hear you say to you know adult uh, children look after your older parents because you know they, they, they may not have the confidence. So there's a fear factor about changing because every single time, bar none, Dermot, whenever you join us on the program, inevitably in the week or so ahead, we will get at least one or two emails in from somebody to say, "I was listening to Dermot the other day. I went online for my parents and sharing with us." how much money they, they saved. So uh, it's it's a really good advice. So please, Although, if, you, if you are listening, take a look, talk to your parents about the health insurance cover they're on.
6: Yeah, and you know, Patricia, what I would say, and look, you know, I'm not saying we're perfect and there's loads of advisors out there who will do this, right? If somebody sends us an email, like, so let the email address is the, the info at Total Health Cover email address, right? What I say to everybody is, look, even if you're not sure, Just send an email through with the name of your plan and your renewal date. We know every plan on the market. We will send that person back an email to say either your plan is perfect, so you don't need it.
0: It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away.
6: Or if we know you're on a dated plan, we will then say to that person, no, you need to review. And I would say to, you know, like we've done, we do these reviews all the time where we'll have mom and dad on the phone and a son or daughter. And it's, you know, it's great that the, the sons and daughters are on the phone because they're comfortable with the, with the jargon, with all the terminology. They know their parents inside out. So when we talk about excesses, like, for example, there's some great tactics to reduce your costs. So a, a small excess. So, for example, Patricia, I could say to you, take on a small excess of €75 per claim. That's only for admissions to the likes of the Bon Secours or the Matter Private in Cork, and it's on the total bill. A lot of older people mistakenly believe it's per night. So, you know, sometimes having somebody there who knows your requirements and knows what you need, and they give you the reassurance, you know, and I'm talking like if we were only talking about saving people maybe €100 each, you, you would say, well, why bother? The savings which are phenomenal. So, for example, anybody on the Health Plus Extra with BHI, that's €2,740. Euro. I mean, they can go on the Advanced Care 50 day to day with BHI, €2,000. Euro, okay. And in my view, it's actually probably a slightly better plan. They could switch to other corporate plans in the market that are priced now at just under 50 and €100. So, somebody could potentially save €1,200 Euro per hour, €2,500 for a couple. Like Patricia, that would go That's for a lot, lot of money. Utilities. That's a lot of Absolutely. money, and I,
2: I can see. Actually, I've got a couple of I've, I've a number of calls in, but two of them are discussing the same plan: Simp- Simply Connect Plus with uh, Leah. Like uh, and Nora okay. has been on, and Carmel yeah. has been on. Nora said, "I'm happy with the cover and the cashback on the day-to-day expenses," but I'm wondering, uh, would um, Dermot recommend? Is there a better plan? No, do you know what
6: I'm going to say now to both of your listeners? Super cover, 1,471 per adult. If they're happy with that plan, stay as they are. And the reason being now, Patricia, that plan gives fantastic money back on routine expenses, 50% up to €1,000. And that plan has full cover for hips, knees, shoulder replacements, the removal of cataracts. But I would urge anybody who's on the VHI Health Plus Access or the VHI Health Plus Extra, you know, who wants to keep the same type of cover, that's the plan they should look at. And the savings will be between... €700 and €1,200 That's
2: incredible. That's just incredible sums. Geraldine was on to us to say she was forced to cancel her health insurance cover about 10 years ago. She's now looking to get health insurance back. She's in her 60s. She's wondering, will her age come into it when she goes to to start a new policy?
6: It will, but maybe not, not, not as bad as Geraldine might think. So here's what happens. Um... If Geraldine goes to rejoin, and I would suggest to Geraldine get back onto a previous insurance company, because what will happen is, so once you're over 34, so on paper, anybody who is 60 has a 26-year age loading. That's 26 years by two, which is a 52% loading. So in other words, you have to pay a penalty of 50-odd 50, 50 percent. However, Geraldine will, will get full credit for a previous membership. So let's just say Geraldine had health insurance cover for 26 years, albeit 10 years ago. She will be entitled to full credit for that. That means, Patricia, she may be able to eliminate her age loadings completely. So I would suggest to that person, get back onto your previous insurer and basically uh, get them to confirm exactly how much cover you had previously. And then they will work out the loading. You may have no loading whatsoever. But I would I'd love to say to people they don't need private cover. Unfortunately, You know, you don't need me to tell you just how challenged the public system is right now, and that's going to get worse for the next five to six months. I would say to anybody, you know, who wants to have... Now, not everybody, you know, believes in private cover, but if you want to have control over who you go to and which hospital and when you see them, and if you want to have that access, particularly for routine treatments, Patricia, you have to have private cover or you need to have a lot of money. So I would suggest to people... You know, um, like, bear in mind, right now, if you end up in the public system, anybody over 16 will be charged 80 euro per night. That's, you know, in CUH or whatever, you're going to be charged up to 800 per year anyway as a public patient. You know, if you add maybe 100 euro to that, you can get private cover. So, for example, really good mid-level deals for anybody thinking of joining. um, Benefit Access 300 with Irish Life, 864. The Signify plan with Leia, nine twenty six or the Enhanced Care 250 with VHI 974. But they will cover you in every public hospital and also the private hospitals in Cork, as well, you know, so they're the kind of plans people should be looking at. Okay, really needs to get on to our previous cover. Previous okay,
2: cover. Uh, because Lorraine has been on uh, herself and her husband in their early thirties. They have two children. They've never had health insurance uh, before, but it worries Lorraine so that every time she turns on a news bulletin or sees anything in the paper about waiting lists, uh, etc. What would Dermot suggest as a starting out policy? They do have a large mortgage at the moment, so money is yeah. tight. That's the problem people are finding themselves in.
6: It is. But you know what I would say now, and good timing in terms of this interview, Patricia, because Leia Healthcare, as it happens, have a deal that finishes at the end of this month, where you pay for the eldest child under 18 and you get the second child for free. So I would suggest, Lorraine, contacts Leia. Check out, and let's assume entry-level cover is all they want right now, just to get on the ladder. Check out the Assure Protect scheme with Leia, which is about 500 per adult. It'll be about €160 euro for the eldest child. But then the plan to ask for for the second child under 18 is called essential connect health and that plan is free so if Lorraine likes that, she can basically, and there's no, she will not get that deal with VHI and Irish Life, but that deal finishes on the 31st of October. Took it in I now. would suggest she gets on to Leah right now, get a quote, get them to go through it, and that's where she should start. Yeah,
2: and with most of them, you don't have to pay up front. You pay monthly. Most of them are paid monthly. You can it? pay
6: monthly by direct debit. Leah do have a 3% surcharge, extra charge, let's just say, uh, for paying monthly by direct debit. But I'm sure Lorraine can ask them, will they waive that because they heard about it on your, your radio show? <laughs> Best of
2: luck with that one, Loretta. Try anything. Now, there's a lot of people asking, and this comes up again every time I'm talking to you, people with existing illnesses. And and one listener is saying, I'm trying to get my mother to change. She's been on one of those old old VHI plans that Dermot is talking about. She thinks because she has arthritis as an existing medical uh, illness that she can't change. No, and
6: this is a myth that comes up all the time. Um, So the legislation is very clear on this excuse me, once you've served your five-year pre-existing exclusion, so if I'm five years with one insurance company, I beg your pardon, and I have existing conditions, once I'm five years, I have served my waiting period, I now am covered for those existing conditions, whether I stay with the same insurer or whether I switch to another insurer. The other insurance company will only want to know how long have I been insured, number one, and number two, what plan that I have, just to make sure I'm not bumping up my cover. But, But here's, here's all the people have to do, Patricia. Let's take that lady, right, or that person trying to look after her mother. Phone the other insurance company that you're thinking of switching to and tell them everything that that your mother has. Tell them exactly what condition she has, arthritis, what surgeries she may need, what her preferred hospitals are. And then they would then have to tell. They will on the phone, they will tell her mother, no, you are going to be fully covered for that on this plan because you already have existing cover for more than five years. We'll just need evidence of that. But there will be no issue. Look, we have been, and all brokers in this area, switching people from one insurer to another, you know, for the last 20 years. Once it's approached correctly, and once you engage with the new insurer, disclose everything, ask them to confirm everything. People are shocked sometimes, you know. People will say to us all the time, I'm sorry I didn't do this 10 years ago because I've been paying, you know, extra money. Better late than never. But but the key thing is not to stay on the old plan for the wrong reasons. So I would suggest you know, engage with our current insurer first and then look at the other plans that are out there. Disclose everything and, you know, and then switch. If you like the answers, everything that they say to you will be recorded. Switch away.
2: Okay. and Lucy is trying to help her grandfather, who's asked for help with renewing his health uh, insurance. Can Lucy engage with the health insurance company or does her granddad have to be on the phone?
6: Okay. now this is where the joys of GDP are. So ideally... Lucy will be with her grandfather when she phones the insurance company. And normally what the insurance company will do, they'll simply say, look, can you just put your grandfather on the phone just to get his consent that we deal directly with Lucy? And, and so most times that's it. And then they will they will put Lucy on the policy as an authorised contact. So okay. if Lucy phones up again, they will deal with her. Otherwise, sometimes what, what you can do is literally a handwritten note from your grandfather or your parents or whatever to say, you know, what they will simply say, I authorize." Uh, the insurance companies to deal, let's just say, with this person on my behalf and here's my name, my number and whatever, my email. The insurance companies, to be fair, they they want to help people, but they obviously have to be careful that they're, if they're discussing somebody's specific cover requirements and their existing yeah, policy... Yeah they do need consent. But to be fair, there's various ways around that and the ideal thing is you are there with the person when you phone the insurer. Speakerphone. i on speaker. Put them yeah, on, exactly. on
2: speakerphone. Okay, final one. One plan plus with VHI, do you deem that a good plan for a single person?
6: Okay, so here's what I'm going to say about that plan. It's about 1,155 per adult. So here's the thing, Patricia. They're not overspending, but it's not a corporate plan. Okay, so... And what I mean by that is they don't get money back on their routine expenses. So the plan itself is fine, but I would suggest they phone VHI, check out a plan called PMI 5210-5210, which is 30 euro more expensive, which is, in my view, slightly better covered because it's a corporate plan. But the one I'd really like them to look at is um, called Company Plan Plus Level 1.3. <laughs> um, Company Plan Plus Level 1.3. Yeah. Sorry about the, the yeah, name yeah. yeah, But... This is a super corporate plan from BHI, €1,245. It's got better cardiac cover and it covers the same hospitals, but now that person will get back 50% on all their outpatient expenses up to €1,000 into their hands. So all they have to do, phone up BHI, and just ask them to go through PMI 5210 and company plan plus level 1.3, and then they can make an informed decision. To be fair to the insurance companies, if you phone them up and you tell them what plan you have and you tell them what your requirements are, you know, they are very, very good at trying to help people. But you need to do a little bit of homework before you phone.
2: OK, all right. Why do they make it? It, it always seems to be uh, so complicated. And this, we're coming into, I'm right in saying, the, the busiest time for renewals, isn't it, the end of the year?
6: It is. So, Patricia, now what's happening is a million people will be getting their renewal notices over the coming weeks. Um, it is the crazy period for health insurance renewals. I would urge any of your listeners now... Um, you know, who, who want to shop around or just want to make sure they're on the right plan. If your renewal is the 31st of December, the 1st of January, you know, start set your alarm clock for the 1st of November, basically. Start doing your research in November. They'll all know the rates um, in November for, let's just say, December stroke, 1st of January. It just means you beat the rush. You have your homework done. You can put everything in place by the 1st of December and then you're not trying to do this over the Christmas, over the holiday period when everybody well, is Life trying is to just phone busy. And, and yeah. it's impossible trying to get through, you know. So I would just urge people. And by the way, just one last thing on this. Some people might be thinking right now, well, you know what? It hasn't gone up, so I'll just stay where I am with that inertia. But I would say to you, if you could save 500 or 1,000 euro on your existing cover by shopping around you know you can put that towards gas electricity mm-hmm. and all those other bills mm-hmm. that are just loosely going through the roof yeah, right I, now I, so I think don't
2: this, be complacent. Yeah I think this year that I think this year everybody is watching every single red cent. You're always a mine of information uh, Dermot and people can uh, access uh, more information from Dermot on uh, totalhealthcover.ie. Always a pleasure Dermot, thank you for that. My pleasure. Thanks, thanks, thanks for joining course. us. Cork
0: Today on C103 With Corrigan Insurance's
3: McCroom, now part of McCarthy the insurance group they don't just talk the talk they walk the walk cmig.ie
2: once again Skibbereen lines club is organizing the skibberine charity adventure race with a hundred percent of all competitors entry fees going to charity to chat about this year's event i'm joined by ollie farrell who is the race director and uh, good morning to you ollie
7: Good morning, Patricia. And Thanks you're, for having us. Yeah,
2: we are very welcome to the programme. Now, I suppose let's start at the beginning. For people who know nothing about this adventure race, uh, tell us what it entails.
7: So, it's a, an adventure race. So, as distinct from a triathlon, there's a little bit more of a challenge to it. Um, so, you've got a, a bike, you've got a run, but we've also got a kayak, which adds a certain amount of novelty that's, that's not in other events. So, the three of them... And there's three categories, depending on how much you're up for. We have an expert route, which runs over 80 kilometres. We have sport, which is 55 kilometres. But then we have our taster event, which is very suitable for beginners. And that's um, anybody that's thinking about taking something on for the weekend. That's the one to look at. It's only a six kilometre run and... Just under a twenty-kilometer bike, so very doable. Oh,
2: just like that, very doable.
7: Just like that, yeah.
2: <laughs> but good that you're you're you're, you're 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 you certainly have something for all levels of of fitness. There, it's now in its uh, seventh year. Do you have competitors who, who have done this in previous years coming back to you?
7: We have time and time again, and it's as much for the event. I suppose the scenery as well. It's a beautiful course, but also the. The atmosphere, uh, it's run totally by volunteers. And then on the day, we have over 100 marshals out and they're all volunteers as well. So the atmosphere on the day, it's fantastic. So we do, we get a lot of people coming back time and time again. And, and do, then, you, do you
2: limit yeah. the number of competitors or is it open-ended?
7: We have a limit, but there's still room.
2: Is there? Okay. So we have room
7: right. this year, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I'm assuming it didn't happen during COVID times, did it?
7: we had to miss I think we only missed one year due to COVID. Well done. Well done. And we got back yeah, yeah, we got back last year because it was this time of year and things were just starting to open up.
2: Okay, so we
7: had to take we had to take the various precautions, but we um, yeah, we managed to run it. We've a good organizing committee there.
2: And it's on it's happening this Saturday.
7: So this Saturday, the race starts in the morning. The experts go off at nine o'clock. And the uh, tasters and sport, they go off at half ten. So, again, plenty of time for people to get organised and get down there.
2: But if people still want to register, they they, they, they can. There so, uh,
7: so, we can register, yeah. We need to close our registrations. We need to close our entries tonight, actually. So, it really just gives people all this afternoon and tonight to get registered.
2: And you mentioned the safety marshals. Are you still looking for people to help out, Ollie?
7: We, anybody that's available to help, I can give you a phone number or I can give you a website. Yeah. So the phone number for Marshalls, and if they can either text or WhatsApp, it's easier. It's 086 326 4001.
2: Okay, if anybody wants to help out on the day. And then it is all about charity. I mean, it's it's in the tit- title. Which charities will benefit from the race? So
7: it's Skibberine Charity. Over the last seven years, we've brought in over 200,000. So that's approximately 30 per annum. And we distribute that through the Lions Club. Lions Club is essentially an umbrella charity. And then we're able to distribute that locally. So typically we've supported, I heard you mentioning, the childcare facilities. So mm-hmm. we've supported some of our local childcare facilities. their bright beginnings. But also the local hospitals, COPE, CoAction, the, the schools. So really it's... Um, well done. Well it, it gives us the opportunity to support whoever has the need at a particular time, really.
2: Are you taking part yourself, Ollie?
7: I'm not. I've <laughs> never done it.
2: <laughs> I, was go- I, was <laughs> going to- I was then going to say, are you an elite, a sport or a taster? And
7: <laughs> no, I think I'd be taster. I've never done it. So a lot of our committee did it the first year we did ever they? did it. Yeah. <laughs> and I wasn't with them at the time, so... And Maybe I'll resign from d- race director this year and I'll have a go
2: next. Uh, and you, you might you might be elite by the following year. You never know. And do, <laughs> do people come from other parts of the country? It isn't just locals.
7: We get them from all over. Yeah. Uh, Predominantly yeah. local. Uh, and I suppose for the taster especially, we'd be drawn, but all the way from Cork City down to local and on as far as Kerry. But um, for the experts, it's a national series. It's actually a national series of races. We're uh, uh, one of them.
2: Because uh, I was going to say, so, are these people that normally do triathlons?
7: They they actually do adventure races, which are more climbing. to will be hiking over hills and going through rougher terrain than would on the tri. But so well, we would you, locally, we'll see a lot of the, say, West Cork Tri-Club and Skull Triathlon Club. We'd hope that a lot of those members will we'll come take out to
2: support us. Listen, we wish, you, we wish you luck with it and good luck to all of the competitors uh, taking part. Please God, the weather uh, will be okay uh, for them on Saturday. But Ollie, listen, yes. thank you for that and good luck to everybody. It's really keeping it. Like Saturday,
7: th- someone said, yeah. It's what? It's to be sunny on Saturday. There you, there you go.
2: There you go. The gods are even going to look after you. Ali. good luck with it. And <laughs> thanks
7: uh, very uh, much, thanks, Patricia. thanks
2: a million. That is Ali Farrell, who is the race director from Skibbereen uh, Lines Club. And you can check them out online. www.thescar.ie. Or that number, once again, if you'd be willing to be a marshal on the day and help to do a bit. 086 32 001.
0: Court today on C103. With Corey. Cari-
3: Michigan Insurance is McCroom. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. See MIG.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
2: An amount of people reacting to my piece with uh, Dermot Good of TotalHealthCover.ie with people wondering does Dermot have a telephone number that they can contact them, him on? He, they don't. They operate online. If you go on to their, they have a really good website, TotalHealthCover.ie there is a section there that you can click on that says uh, contact us. Uh, now they do look for your telephone and uh, your Email address. Uh, so I don't know whether they will call you back if you request a call back or not, but the only way to make initial contact with them is through their website, Total Health Cover. Dot I-E. And certainly listening to Dermot, there are savings to be made. And dear God, anything, any way that we can make savings this year more than any other year has got to be looked at and has got to be welcomed. And then just staying on the, not necessarily on private health insurance, but just staying on a health issue. Irene has contacted us about uh, an issue she has with the replacement hip. And she's wondering, is she on her own or has, have others heard of People having similar situation to what Irene has has been going through. She had a hip replacement, her first hip replacement, twenty two years ago. So that was in the year two thousand. Great start to the uh, to, to, to the new millennium for uh, Irene. She had her hip replaced. Everything went well, except three years later she had to go back and have another hip replacement done. Now this is all in the same hip that was in two thousand and three. She got seven years out of that. So her third operation then was in twenty ten. And she's after getting 12 years out of that one because eight weeks ago she had to have another hip replacement all on the same hip. She was wondering, is anybody else in the same situation as her? Has anybody else heard of somebody having that many hip replacements in 22 years having had four hip replacements all on the one hip? Because when I saw the comment coming in, I was saying to John Paul, is that two different hips? I thought maybe she had had the right one done and then the left one and then had to go back to the right one and back to the left one. And John Paul said, no, it's all on her left hip. Now, I did a quick Google search asking the question, how long does a hip replacement last? And I'm told adults of any age can be considered For a hip replacement. Actually, a friend of mine was in her her 40s when she had to have a hip replacement. Probably one of the youngest people I certainly ever heard of having a hip replacement, but she's been flying it since. Anyway, the HSE say that most hip replacements are carried out on people between the ages of 60 and 80. Artificial hip joints are designed to last at least 15 years. Years and when people have a hip replacement done, the majority of people uh, experience a significant reduction in pain. And if you speak to anyone who's had a hip replacement or a knee replacement, certainly the vast majority uh, will say, best thing they ever did. And we have so many people waiting on hip. And knee replacements because the waiting lists are so long, so much so that we know people get on the Belfast or Blind bus and go up to Belfast because they can't cope with the pain anymore. So we do know the lengths that people go to have a hip or a knee replacement. But anyway, I digress. Let's go back to uh, Irene. Going on what the HSC are saying, you should get, the, now this will be the average and I suppose everybody will be different, but you should be getting 15 years out of your hip replacement. I'd love to know why the first one if you got it in 2000 and Uni in three years. In 2003, you had to go back. And then seven years out of the next one, it looks like the last one getting 12 years. Kind of is close enough to the 15 years. But anyway, we'll throw it out there to see has anybody else heard of anybody else in the same pickle as Irene, in need of a hip replacement, went along to get it, but has had four hip replacements in uh, 22 years, all on the same hip. 0818103103. I knew there would be some reaction to the piece. John, one of our listeners, drew our attention to the piece of the money that's spent on former uh, Taoiseach uh, in total, 1,000. 1,000 150,000 has been spent providing secretarial support uh, just between two and that was Bertie Hernan and De Kenny and in the piece by Ken Fox in The Examiner he speaks about something that happened in June of this year when John Bruton went along to speak at an Irish Farmers Journal event on the future of Europe and he got on to the Department of the Taoiseach and under this um, under this scheme whereby Taoiseach can get support when they've retired as the of the country, he requested a ministerial car to drop him to the Irish Farmers Journal event for 8.30 in the morning and then to collect him at 1 o'clock afterwards and uh, he requested it under the provision that he's extended to former Taoiseach and the Department of the Taoiseach came back and said they'd be happy to accede to the request on this occasion. So he got his state car that's what I think is the one that's annoyed uh, most. Joe said, it is scandalous to think that former Taoiseach John Bruton could get access to a state car. He's long gone from politics, says Joe. Mervyn and said, John Bruton was also an EU ambassador, so I doubt it, said that he would be doing something like that for nothing because at the end of the day the Irish Farmers Journal are a commercial entity they surely will be paying their guest speaker so Mervin is convinced that he would have got paid uh, to do it uh, and yet uh, when he was in power he was one of the guys telling us all to mind our uh, Euros and then Fidelma in in McCroom now I'm quoting Fidelma she says they were bloody well paid that was the quote from Fidelma they were bloody well paid to serve this uh, country and yet we hear now they're still getting well paid in retirement why do they continue to get all of these extras on top of the pensions which are vener- very generous and the preciousness of John Bruton asking for a state car while people are looking for places to live okay so people were absolutely enraged uh, when I read out uh, that uh, piece people saying "Scant." somebody else said it is ridiculous to think that the Taoiseach they get a pension that's bad enough one person is saying but to get better benefits on top of it is absolutely ridiculous. Ludicrous is another word I can see being mentioned as well. And then Heidi says, this is just generally speaking, this isn't about Form this is to do with the the government at the moment. Uh, Heidi said the government ministers may be saying how wonderful it is and how well the government are doing, particularly when you look at the last budget, there's never been so much money handed out as was handed out on the the budget for next year. But Heidi said it is not them at the end of the day that are suffering any hardships. Many of them even have electric cars that they can charge. And while it's parked up in Leinster House, it'll be cheaper than what we would have to pay in the general public. Things are not very fair by any means. It's almost like they're saying, don't do as we do do as we tell you. We need to get these TDs and ministers off their backside and we need to get them to come out and see what their voters are having to contend with in this crisis at the moment. People really really are struggling and so many people are struggling and unfortunately I think so many more people are going to struggle particularly as we go into uh, these uh, winter months. I mentioned fireworks uh, earlier on Audrey says, hi uh, Patricia what to do about fireworks? This happened to me some weeks ago. I was out of my Backyard, and one of these fireworks went off over my head. I tell you, says Audrey, I nearly died with the fright. Many of my neighbours came running out to see what it was. It almost sounded like it was an explosion. Neighbours around me are, are, many of them are in their 70s and 80s. We did report it to the guard. Why do people do these things? For that reason, says Audrey. I absolutely hate Halloween and I also hate New Year's Eve because I live with the fear that the fireworks are going to go off and fireworks can be really, really frightening for, for for people and for older people living on their own, a loud bang like that can be very frightening. And also on the other end of the scale, if you are a family with young, trying to get young children to bed or if you've got a baby that's not a really good sleeper, loud bangs like that going off in a housing estate can, oh, it just can be absolutely dreadful. 0818 103 103. John Paul taking your calls. By the way, it is Wednesday and Peter Dowdell will be joining us if you have a gardening question or something to do maybe with some of the plants in your house or you're planning on your gardening for next uh, year. Uh, if you've got any questions, get them into Peter. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. And I've just seen on the hip issue for Irene, Mary was on to say that she had both of our hips replaced. One was done 20 years ago and the following year... And one was done the previous year. So 20 years ago and 21 years ago. They're both perfect. Should I walk most days and I'm perfect after both haven't had any problems with them and certainly not in need of having the hip replacements replaced so 21 years and 20 years you're doing really well well done uh, Mary 0818 103 103 and a reminder to you that the Premier League live is back on c103.ie this is with uh, Trevor Welch this Saturday from Midday powered by Talk Sport we'll be bringing you live coverage of Nottingham Forest versus Liverpool that's at 12.30 Man City taking on Brighton that's at 3 and Chelsea we take on Manchester United. That's our final match at half past five. That's the Premier League live online with Harvey Norman, your home of the big screen. Listen Saturdays on the C103 app or you can go to c103.ie The
0: C103 Cork Diary With Cork
3: County Council delivering roads and housing, community and business supports all across the county. See corkcoco.ie.
2: A reminder that registration is still open until the 28th of October to enter your Scarecrow in the annual Lep Scarecrow Festival. Registration is free and the first prize is €200. Euro. For full details, you can check out their Facebook page, Lep Scarecrow Festival. Kildallery Home Bingo Books, they're also on sale in the Post Office, the Community Office, Centre, and myers Maxwell in Mitchelstown. Blarney District Historical Society are presenting an illustrated lecture. It's entitled The Mystery of Dr. James Barry, The, the Woman who fooled the British Empire? It's on this Thursday, tomorrow night, eight o'clock in Skonewirragon Small. That's the secondary school in Blarney. Speaker tomorrow night and to me. Everybody is welcome. And if you want further details, you can go along to their website, Blarneyhistory.ie. And Bingo is on in Mallow GAA Complex That's in on Friday night at 815. Uh, and also on Friday, the Condren Primary School in Mallow are holding an 80s, 90s and noughties. Disco in the courtyard at the Arches in Mallow this Friday night Doors will open at half past 8 Tickets are 10 euro and proceeds is going to My Canine Companion
0: Court today on C103
2: With Corrigan Insurance's Macroom, McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance
3: Group, promoter, home business, farm, life and health insurance tmig.ie
2: I give a shout out please to any charity or community that's involved with calendar For 2023. We did this last year on the programme and it was hugely successful. And it's a kind of a way of encouraging people where possible. We all like to have a calendar in the house when you're buying calendars to please consider either buying a charity calendar or a calendar local to your area that a local community group is going to benefit from. And what we did last year, and we're doing it again this year, we're asking anyone that's involved in calendars to send us in a copy of your calendar, please, so that I can have a look of it and then I can talk about it on air and I can let people know that. the calendar is available and if you want to include uh, when you're sending it in to me where the calendar is on sale and how much the calendar is so that I can encourage other people in your area to buy it. And the first of the 2023 calendars arrived on my desk this week. And my thanks to uh, Eileen and all the gang at the Bantry Development and Tourism Association. Once again, it's Eileen herself went out and took all of the photographs. She's a great woman to walk around West Cork. Uh, So, she brings her her camera with her and she takes photographs and then they go through all the photographs uh, c- kind of in the middle of the year and they decide what they're going to include in the calendar for next year. And the calendar now is out. It's Bantry and Beira on the Wild Atlantic Way 2023 calendar. And as was last year's, it is absolutely stunning. I'm looking at incredible pictures of all alone in Glengarriff Nature Reserve. Vaughan's Pass in Bantry is stunning beyond belief. It looked like... It was one of those gorgeous clear blue sky days where the sun was, was uh, shining. It's a lovely one of sheep country living on the Baira uh, Way. There's a place that I wasn't aware of called Carriganas Castle in Kailkill. Beautiful stream running down by it. Somebody is pictured golfing in the early morning on Bantry Bay Golf Club again during the summertime when the weather was beautiful An early morning on Bantry Pier. Wouldn't I love to be there early in the morning? It's just stunning. It really is gorgeous. Now, it is available locally, and I'm assuming it's available at the Bantry uh, Tourist Office on Wolftone uh, Wolf Square in Bantry. So keep a lookout for that, anybody in the Bantry or Beira area. And I always think these calendars make wonderful presents for our diaspora. If you've got somebody living overseas who grew up or um, once lived uh, in the Bantry or on the Beira Peninsula, to get a calendar like this, uh, and it's something I always do, I always try and send to friends and families uh, overseas, and I think there's nothing there's nothing nicer than for them, you know, month by month when they turn over the calendar, it kind of brings a little bit of home to them. So, listen, thank you to Eileen as I say, the first of our calendars have arrived in to us. Anybody else, any charity, community event, our community organisation, if you're doing a, a calendar to raise money for funds locally, please get it into us. You can send it here to uh, Patricia Messenger, C103, Gouls Hill in Ballow. Now back to some your comments coming into the programme still getting commentary in uh, on, 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 on very annoyed people hearing that the Taoiseach are entitled former Taoiseach are entitled to extra allowances and extra perks after they retire, Shea says on the Taoiseach's perks Shea, and I quote from Shay, nothing short of corruption, says our Shea and wasn't Leo Varadkar very quick to restore it? Could he be restoring it for his own benefit into the future? What's this space? I, I, I don't know, Shea all, all I do know is that they they, they stopped the supports for the retired Taoiseach in 2012 and that was following the fallout from the Celtic uh, Tiger when, God knows, uh, pensioners and people on disability and people on loan parents and people... Um, job seekers allowance everybody was seeing cuts to their weekly payments and cuts had to be made across all departments so I suppose they had to do something at the Department of the Taoiseach so Enda Kenny decided okay let's cut these additional supports to to the Taoiseach and he did and then it was when Leo Varadkar took over in office he decided to restore it I'll I'll try and see if I can find out his reasoning and his rationale behind why he decided uh, to restore it but he did and it's there and it's there for Taoiseach to use and it looks like some certainly Bertie Herm and Enda Kenny are making use of the secretarial assistance because they've spent 150,000 euro between them on the secretarial assistance and then as we heard John Bruton got the state car I don't know if he's using secretarial assistance or not because that wasn't contained in the article that I read uh, this morning somebody says uh, this somebody says Patricia this is on John Bruton getting a state car to go to the Farmers Journal event they can't pay for a car and the size of their pensions their pensions were would be 10 times what an ordinary Joe soap gets the mind uh, boggles and Dan says Patricia just to add to the cause of being annoyed with Taoiseachs and their pensions they not only get a Taoiseach's pension, they'll get a ministerial pension if they were a minister and most Taoiseach would have been a minister at some stage. And they'll get a TD's pension because in order to become a minister, in order to become a Taoiseach, you had to be a TD first. Uh, not to mention, they're also getting fuel, fuel, uh, petrol allowance or travel allowance. Do they get travel subsistence? Would they get that? When they, when they retired, I don't know. But anyway, Dan is very annoyed on the amount of money that they're already getting, without Dan on top of it, getting these additional perks that most people didn't seem to know about. Oh eight one eight one zero three one zero three. Can I just, because this came up on our programme, after the budget, when we were going through all the different things that were announced in the budget, particularly the ones that were announced to try and put some money back into everybody's uh, pockets and helping out with the cost of living, one of the items that was mentioned was for people uh, renting that they would be able to t- uh, claim back a tax credit on the rent that they pay now some people say that it doesn't go far enough and that more should be given but others say look whatever little bit renters can get uh, they'll take but when we were discussing it the day after the budget we had a number of parents contact us who are paying the rent for their sons and daughters that are in college and we were trying to they were trying to find out could they claim back this tax credit on the rent that they're paying for their children and we were told at the time no they couldn't if the son or daughter has some kind of a part time job and I accept that a lot of students will have part time jobs then the son or daughter certainly would be able to claim it back but then we had parents saying well no my son or daughter is too busy at college is not working they're not paying tax and we're paying these huge sums of money every month on accommodation well there's been a change of heart parents who who now pay the rent of their children third level education will now be entitled to the renter's tax credit under new proposals. The finance minister Pascal Donoghue got together with the education minister Simon Harris and they've decided in their wisdom to extend the rental tax credit to parents who pay the rent for their sons and daughters attending college and where the student The student must be in a tenancy, though, that's registered with the RTB. But in fairness to to people who are... Renting, anyway, they have to be, in order to claim this tax credit, they, the House must be registered with the RTB, so the same rules will apply. Simon Harris, Minister for Education, said, we heard from students and their parents about the importance of making sure that they would benefit from this rent tax. They listened and they said, I'm pleased to confirm this was yesterday, that they can now uh, do it. So students who rent a room are pay rent they they themselves the students or their parents now will receive the the credit which is 500 euro Per taxpayer per uh, year, the maximum tax credit of five hundred euro. Uh, it applies, or it's a thousand euro in the case of a jointly assessed couple. The re- relief, by the way, will be given on foot of a claim be made to revenue by the individual. So you've got to get onto revenue to tell them that you are paying that. But that's listen, it's not a lot, but it's five hundred euro more than you would have had at the start of this year. So it's 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 a little for for some. And then another way that people can save money and. We we touched on this on the programme with the number of learner drivers. Now, we were talking about the number of learner drivers that have been on the road for more than 22 years, wasn't it, with one cohort of people. I think about 5,000 people have a learner permit for the last 26 years. And we did hear, I remember there was one listener in particular, uh, bless her heart, 15 years she's on a learner permit, not for the want of trying. She has tried and tried and tried and keeps failing her uh, driving test. Well, for the younger Females that are on learner permits, the young uh, the young ladies that are learning to drive, they'll be interested to note that women drivers are paying over the odds for their motor insurance. Why? Because they're less likely, it seems, to take a driving test. Because of that, more women are on a provisional license. And of course, insurers then are loading the poli- policies because they don't have a full license. And this is a, a, a quote coming out from an insurance broker called Miss and they say women drivers in Ireland are paying about €500 a year so it's a substantial sum more than they need to be paying if they were on a full licence they could bring their Car insurance down by 500 euro. There are 200,000 more men than women holding a full licence in this country and that's according to statistics from the Central Statistics Office. So misquote.ie said that the most recent driving test statistics show that 26% more, when than, more men than women sit a driving test uh, every year and unfortunately more men than women pass their test. So because of that, tens of thousands of young Irish women are losing out on the chance to knock money off their motor insurance because they're not as likely to sit. And then if they do sit, they're unfortunately not as likely to pass their driving tests as their male counterparts. And what's un- what, what I find hard to understand in that is we know that women have a safer track record on Irish roads than men. So I really can't understand why that's happening. We also know, for example, more men than women have penalty points on their licence. I can't understand why there's a slowness of some women to go forward to do their driving tests and those that do, why are so many of them failing? And uh, Misquote.ie, by the way, they specialise in motoring Insurance for young women. They're saying that the drivers could save this 500 euro on their cover if they pass their test, and then they'd obviously move from a learner permit to a full license. So, any of the younger females on um, learner permits, get your test and get it as, as quick as you can because you're going to give your money. And the advice, as we gave the other day to that lady who's 15 years on a learner uh, permit, take the lessons, get the lessons, because I think after 15 years, she probably more than anything has picked up just some bad habits and that's causing her uh, not to pass her test. 0818 103 103. Gardening questions. I can see Gardening questions coming in for Peter. Keep them coming, please. You can text or WhatsApp your questions to oh eight six two. 103-103. Court
0: today on C one oh three.
3: With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG. IE.
0: This is the Court Today replay on C one oh three.
2: I was really interested in, as you said to yourself, your little bit of a rant on social media to do with the flooding in Cork City at the weekend and the importance of green walls and other green infrastructural elements. You believe that there is, there, there is a solution to, to alleviate some of this flooding?
8: Well, there is, and it's not just me that believes it. And I I really do hate being negative and knocking people because I think the world is full of that. But but I do try and kind of highlight positive stuff. But I'm kind of at my wit's end when when it comes to this. I mean, there are proven solutions uh, to alleviate. I'm not going to say that we're going to be flood-free, but green wall technology and green roofs and everything are proven in cities like London and Berlin and and other cities that have flooding problems to reduce the, the... the speed of water and the volume of water that enter cities' drainage systems. Now, if you look at Cork, obviously we have a tidal problem, and I'm no expert in flooding, and I'm not pretending to be, but the flooding on Sunday thankfully wasn't connected with the tide. It was just a excessively heavy rain over a period of time. Now, if you look at any city centre, this isn't just Cork, the majority of the surface area is roof space of buildings. So if you have all the roof space, the water is landing on the roof, it's going down the drain pipe into the drainage system at a huge volume, at a huge speed, and that leads to flooding. Okay? Mm-hmm. Gre- green walls, which is basically just a, a modular system which pads the outside of buildings. If you can imagine window boxes stacked on top of each other, Trish trees, is probably the best way to describe it. Um, well, the water that from the roof of buildings goes into these green walls so it's percolating through the green wall system. So it's much—it's entering the drainage system, but much, much slower. It might be 24 hours after it's fallen. And much of it, depending on the day, it could be as much as 70% of that water, never gets into the drainage system. Okay? Mm. Now, I've been promoting this message about the power of, of the natural world, the green environment, what, call it what you want, green architecture. I've been promoting this for years on, on your programme, I've been talking about the power of it, on television, on newspaper, online. As to how much value is here and we're ignoring it, we're still struggling in Cork to see the value of a street tree. The rest of the world has moved on a 100 years like with, with green architecture. I can't get an answer from Cork City Council to an email or a phone call when I offer to talk to them about it and suggest things to them. Uh, and it'd be it politicians I try getting on to or civil servants I try getting on to. Uh, and they they just seem completely closed to it, and I, that's why I'm saying I don't like to be negative and knock. I much prefer to be positive and to highlight the good things that are happening. But like Cork is going to flood again this winter at least yeah, once, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah.
8: And they're they're not even like nothing in the Docklands, the new Docklands development, no new building to the best of my knowledge has had any green infrastructural elements backed by the city council. It's absolute ludicrous. And yet they they, uh,
2: they they did invest in uh, robotic trees
8: they put up these are you fans of those these are such an insult and I've deliberately kept my powder dry on this and kept out of it but these are like over the over the years of the pandemic Trish I was speaking to to groups all over the world on gardening and the power of the natural world. I was speaking to, to YouTube groups, uh, Google groups, these high tech companies were, were asking me to talk to their employees about the gardening and the power of, in, in terms of their wellness, etc. Yeah. And I'd always start off by, by saying, when I was talking to the tech companies, I'd always start off by saying, can you imagine if if Apple or Google or Facebook or one of these tech companies were to invent something that would magically take carbon out of the air? Uh, and give us oxygen and store that carbon. And I was saying it with a chuckle, kind of, because they already exist. They're trees, right? And of course, yeah. you'll always get a bit of a chuckle. And then I was saying it as a joke. And then I see my own city council putting these robotic monsters, hideous waste of money in the middle of our city centre. Now, this is I'm not totally knocking the city council. They're doing good work in terms of some of the tree planting they're doing. They do do good works as well. But for God's sake, they need to they need to jump forward quickly, on this i mean yeah and as you we, we, say
2: it isn't it isn't reinventing the wheel other cities have successfully done it
8: yeah absolutely just look around all over many parts of america many parts of europe um and like it's we can't say we haven't been warned Trish the climate has changed it hasn't changing it's changed already it's going to change more the rain we saw on sunday we we haven't we we're beginning to see that rain more commonly We used to see that when you were a child, when I was a child. We never saw that type of rain. Mm. We're seeing it. We have been warned. It's going to happen. You know, we're we're one of the cities that are at risk. There are ways to alleviate this, you know, but but they, just, they, they don't seem to have any appetite for it.
2: Okay, Anna is straight away in with the text saying 100% agree with Peter Dowd and everything he's saying today. Thank you Peter uh, for speaking up hopefully somebody, the powers that be are listening because that's what we need Okay, listen, let's move on with uh, questions in from listeners. John Paul is taking the call. Zero eight one eight one zero three one zero three. A Canturk listener says, my cactus are beginning to bud now. Do I water or feed them or just leave them be? And I'm assuming they're talking about a Christmas cactus because I was only looking at mine yesterday and I can see all the little buds are appearing.
8: Yeah, I I, I presume that is what they're talking about. And you can give it a drop of water certainly because uh, you you, you do want to sustain it and it could lose some flower buds if it dries out completely, but certainly don't overwater it. But give it a drop maybe every kind of week or two weeks at the moment just to keep it a bit moist. You know, indoor plants and these cacti in particular are very... They, they really tell us when they need water so they, they, they'll go very limp and be draggled and they can be quite dramatic you know the way they're normally quite erect and that ah. firm, but they can go quite limp and nearly fall onto the pot uh, to tell you they need water so don't err on the side of overwatering, but do give them a drop of water uh, and I'd say this Christmas cactus could end up maybe being a jazz festival cactus if it's in put already it may be in flower a bit, bit soon but enjoy it whenever it comes and anyway. they
2: are magnificent when they flower they're absolutely I yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan as well question for Peter please Uh, could Peter suggest suitable plants for an indoor hanging basket I want to put one in the bathroom and I want to put one in the patio, from a Bantier listener indoor hanging baskets.
8: Lovely idea yeah, lovely idea, now when it comes to, and of course indoor plants are one of the best things you can bring to the house because they'll give off fresh oxygen and clean the air, I mean they're they're proven to be among the best air purifiers you can get Um, when it comes to indoor plants though you do need to look at things like light levels uh, and, and drafts and things like this, so in other words, if it's near an opening window or an opening door, this will determine which plants you need to use. So I can't really go into specifics because I don't know those details. However, what I would look at using are things like the spider plant, which is an old-fashioned one that might have been in your grandmother's house, but it's now it's now all over Instagram and the trendy restaurants of London and things. It's, it's It's really making a comeback. So the spider plant is a great one. You're also looking at things like maybe poor man's orchid, which doesn't get too tall. Uh, and you're looking at things like skin dapses and things like this without I could spend the whole programme talking about the different ones for the different light levels and that but you're probably as well off uh, to have a quick Google and to to see the, what the light levels are so your your some area, your balcony is probably going to be quite bright but the the areas inside the house might be quite dark so do and there's nothing really will do where there's zero light levels um but but have a look online and you will see some some good uh, ivy is another one that is, that will do quite well inside as well but uh, have a look at your light levels in in Google different plants for the a dark room or a bright room and that could give you better ideas.
2: Okay. Anne in Mitchellstown has problems with camellias. She can never manage to keep one alive. What is she doing wrong?
8: The 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 main thing with camellias is, well there's two main things. Number one is the pH of the soil. They like to grow in an acidic soil. So that soil, Trish, uh, with a lower pH, a pH of, of 7 or slightly under it. So if it's growing in a, a pH over that, which is limey soil, it won't thrive And it could get to the point of dying, absolutely. And that could well be the problem. Um, The other thing that camellias really don't like is to be facing south. So if they're getting very, very sunny, uh, harsh sun in the morning, let's say facing east or south or southeast, they don't like that either. And if it's severe enough, that could kill them as well, I'm afraid. So I imagine it's most likely one of the two. If she's growing it in a container or or in a pot, uh, then it could just be simply drying out. So that could be the problem.
2: Uh, Peter, I've got a lot of pears, said this listener, and I just can't ripen them this year. Would you have any suggestions to ripen pears?
8: move to Portugal. Yeah. <laughs> wouldn't it be lovely? <laughs> it wouldn't it? And pears very often don't ripen in our climate because at the time that they should be ripening during September and even now it, the temperatures have gone it's it's too cool for them to ripe. So I would go back to the, the banana trick Trish which we've mentioned before in your yeah. programme particularly for ripening tomatoes but it, the same thing works uh, for pears. Just put a few pears into a brown paper bag with a couple of ripe bananas ripe or overripe bananas uh, and that will believe it or not uh, stick the ripening in the pears. And I also checked, Trish, because we spoke about this apropos to tomatoes a couple of weeks ago, and you said it does an apple work as well. Was it you were a caller? Yeah, it? I, I,
2: so I I went online and they said an apple.
8: Yeah, and I researched it as well. and it yeah. does. They, both, they both produce the same compound. Uh, I suppose most fruits may... may I've, I had only ever heard of it as a tomato, to, or sorry, a, a banana to do it. But I suspect most fruits yeah. would be second Well,
2: actually, actually, it's funny because I, I, my sister sent me a beautiful bouquet of flowers uh, a couple of weeks ago and it came with very detailed instructions on how to look after them. And one of them was, don't have the vase of flowers anywhere near a basket or a bowl of fruit. Oh, for there
0: the, you go. For the same reason, yeah.
2: Dale.
8: It'll, yeah, of course,
2: yeah. It'll kill off, the, it'll kill off your, your, your lovely flowers. So definitely, it, it does, and it works to um, ripen avocados. I can never seem to buy avocados ripe and trying to ripen them. Uh, if you put it into a brown paper bag with the, with the banana, absolutely works. Okay, let me, uh, going from Christmas cactus to Ponsettia. A listener says, I've got a very healthy looking Ponsettia, but all of the leaves are now green. I, I got it as a present last year. Will it redden up in time for Christmas this year?
8: We had a similar question actually a couple of weeks ago, Trish, and the answer to the question is: will it redden up? Will it be in time for Christmas? I can't answer that. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, the chances are probably not, I'm afraid, because poinsettias with with the, those lovely red bracts are actually they're not they're not uh, flowers. They're modified leaves. So they're, they could be red or cream in colour, um, and to get them for Christmas, the growers put the plants under artificial conditions so that, that the plants think that they're coming into spring. OK, now they're native to Mexico, so it's a whole different climate to us, obviously. So that's not to say that they'll, they'll even go red for spring here, but uh, they will go red at some point. But whether or not it'll be time for Christmas, I can't honestly say. And I'm not going to advise either to to go through a period of, of cold and dark to trick the plant because you could well risk losing the plant. So I would just leave it, do its thing. You've kept it alive for nearly 12 months, which is better than I've done. Um <laughs> So I would say leave well alone and let it go red in its own time, but it may well not be good. Yeah, and
2: don't move it because they really no. don't, they they, they no. don't like to be moved. And finally, Tom has been on, he wants to reseed a lawn. It's all ready for reseeding. When is the best month to do it?
8: The best time now for, to do it is March. Definitely leave it till oh, now until yeah. March, I would say. Yeah, you could do all the prep work and get the ground ready for it now over the winter, which would be great for the soil because the frost can work on it, but but don't put the seed out now till March. I okay, say.
2: we'll talk to you next week, Peter. Thank you for that. Thanks, Trish. And stay dry. That is uh, Peter Dowdle, theirishgardener.com. Have I, about a minute before I go, just uh, some quick text in. Pat says, uh, this is listening to the news. Uh, I hope that they will not change the time this year, dreading those long, long uh, winter nights. It was David Stanton was talking about that on the news. I know John Paul behind the scenes has been working. We have him. We're going to be talking with David Stanton on that one tomorrow because I know that is a big bugbear for so many people. OK, I've got to leave it there. My thanks to John Paul and Nick Richards with you for the afternoon. Talk to
0: tomorrow on C103 with Corrigan
3: Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. Cmig.ie.
1: Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with
6: scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80 percent less than clay litter.